Hey guys, I'm Esther, owner of Sarah Design. And I'm Jen, owner of Hello June Creative. Welcome to Better, the brand designer podcast. We're all about broadcasting conversations that support our design community and covering industry secrets and offering actionable advice. Just remember, the only designer you need to be better than is the one you were yesterday. Hi, friends. Welcome back to Better, the Brand Designer podcast. We are still running our From the Archives episodes. This is episode three of four, so we're almost close to being back in the swing for season seven, but not quite yet. We still have two more weeks. So today, the episode that we're going to be referring to is season one, episode six, Getting Paid on Time. And this is a big one, especially as we're now in 2023, the very start of 2023. And I'm sure you guys are starting to get back into the swing of things with clients. What better time than now to really set things off on the good foot with your clients and make sure that you get paid on time, get paid when you say you want to get paid and have no issues going back and forth with clients. When I think about the clients that I've had where there might have been some miscommunication when it came to setting those good timelines and making sure things get on an auto-pay system, I think that's my biggest tip is get things on an auto-pay system so you don't have to worry about it. But it's really come down to me not having good communication or being assertive when I start a project. So this is when we're going through the contract and the proposal to really let them know exactly when pricing is going to be expected or when their payments are going to be expected. And there should be no issues with overdraft fees or anything, just making sure that you get right in there and let them know like this is a commitment, but they're signing up for this and you are providing a service. So you can't be reliable for anything that happens on their end. They, they need to have that. So in this episode, It's all about ensuring that things don't get lost in the black hole that is the internet and keeping in mind some things to include in your contract, like late fees and how to protect your work before payments have been processed, timelines for payments. Giselle in this episode recommends seven days for payments to get made. And then from there you have extra fees that will go on to that. And I totally agree with that. I think sometimes you think, with clients and with yourself, maybe you you pay rent and sometimes it's nice to have that extra days just because things happen in life. We get it. But just making sure people know that up front. And then also, if you have a barter, I know sometimes as freelancers, as creatives, we work on a trade system. So if you have a barter or discounted services, always have a contract because the contract is what is going to protect you. I mean, in the end of the day, we are here to make money because that's what's going to keep us alive, keep food on the table, a roof over our head. So that needs to be a really big conversation that you have with clients and making sure you don't gloss over it because you don't want things to happen where you don't get paid on time. And that causes a lot of issues down the road. So I'm excited for you guys to listen to this episode. It's one of my favorites just because it's something that I struggled with a lot when I first was starting out. So we hope that you enjoy this episode, alleviate some of the stress, especially if you're in the newer stage of business and trying to figure out how to set up your clients' portals, how to set up your contracts and timelines and really get paid. Listen to this one. It's for you. Have a great rest of your January. We look forward to coming back to you on January 24th with season seven. It's going to be good. Hey everyone, we are 
are so excited to be back with another episode of Better Brand Designer Podcast. Um, as you guys know, we start off every episode with a little intro question just to kind of break the ice and get chatting, even though I don't really need to do that because I can just talk to a brick wall. But anyways, our intro question of this episode is what is the weirdest place you've ever done work? And Giselle, I'm going to let you go ahead and answer that. Yeah, I love this question. One of the weirdest ones where I've gotten work done is at a Jiffy Lube. I was waiting <laughs> to get my oil change and I didn't know how long it would take. And I just had to bring my laptop because I thought, oh, I need to get work done and I yes. can't leave, but I have to get the oil change. So I just went ahead and did that. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. I feel like we've all been in situations where like, you really just need to answer an email or you need to make, oh, it's like the like, oh, can you make this one quick change? Like literally the worst words any designers ever heard. So... <laughs> That's really funny. <laughs> Jen, what's your weirdest place you've ever done work? Um, I was on a road trip with my husband and we I was getting emails on my phone um, as we were driving in the car and something came up that was like urgent that I needed to like address right in the moment. Um, and this client didn't know I was traveling, which is probably like my first mistake. But I was like, pull over, pull over. So we found an Arby's and I logged into like the Wi-Fi at Arby's, like from the parking lot with my laptop, like in my lap, all of our stuff is around us and like ended up getting the change done and sent via the Arby's internet. And then my husband got us curly fries. So it was like, it was the best. Oh, what a great reward. <laughs> um, it was, it was stressful. It was stressful as heck. And I definitely don't want to do it again, but yeah, that's probably the weirdest place I've ever had to like open my laptop. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. With that said, thanks for, thanks for joining us on our, on our awkward, weird journeys as brand designers, guys. <laughs> yeah. If you have an awesome answer to what's the weirdest place you've ever done work, go ahead and share that on our Facebook group. And also it's really fun to complain about our clients in a closed Facebook group where no one will ever see. So yeah, <laughs> don't worry. This is a safe space. <laughs> <laughs> Let's introduce our topic for today. Yeah. Today we want to talk about how to get paid on time. And this comes from a recent experience that I've had and I've had this happen maybe a few times where the client hasn't paid on time. Overall, the clients have been amazing, but there's a very recent experience where the client had spent two months without paying me Ooh. for a project that I had already delivered. And that is really rough. Yeah. And this is why I want to talk about this because I'm sure I'm not the only one that's dealt with this or is dealing with this right now. And I can give you some advice to get paid. Yes, for sure. I mean, like I am a little bit newer to brand design and to having my own business that's not just any kind of graphic design ever, you know, like actually using contracts, using invoices, um, being professional about it. So I'm definitely looking forward to learning a couple of tricks to um, kind of solve this issue before it happens for me. Yeah, definitely. And Jen, I told you about this client, um, I think a month ago, and oh, I'm really glad that we're recording this now as the client finally did pay. Oh <laughs> so my there's goodness. A conclusion to this. Success. Yeah. There is a happy ending. Yes. yes. Don't worry. You will get the money, hopefully. Don't lose hope. <laughs> <laughs> so backstory about this recent client experience. I've been working with this client for almost two years now. Um, he was one of my first clients when I started Wonder Design Co. So He's seen me grow a lot, which is awesome. And he's an amazing client. Like he's been really nice and respectful and really um, values the work that I've been giving him. But there was one instance in the past or maybe even two where he had been late on his payment. But because we had that 
trustworthy relationship and already like knew each other pretty well, I let that go. And I said, that's fine. Like he'll pay me when he pays me. And like, I know where he lives. I know his cell phone address or his cell phone. (laughs) That's really helpful. (laughs) And um, I can track him down. And we have a lot of uh, business friends in common. So I can track him down. (laughs) And uh, so I let that happen. And he paid them when he paid them. He had this weird thing. I don't know if this has ever happened to any of you guys, but I would send an invoice and he would insist on paying through PayPal. I used Dubsado to um, request payment. And only for him would I use the PayPal version because with Dubsado, you can integrate PayPal. And he would just send like an amount that I don't know how he came up with this amount, but he would send an amount and not pay the full invoice. <laughs> and then later he would pay the rest of the invoice. Oh my gosh. And I, I was baffled. But I think, you know, like I said, he always paid whether it was a little late or not, like, or it was like a partial amount and then another partial amount later without talking to me first about it. Oh, that is so interesting. I would have been so confused. I would have been like, wait, did I send the right invoice and like go back and check? And yeah. Stuff? <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. So, so just from the get go, you can tell that this is a very unorthodox way of handling payments with a client. So oh don't do that. <laughs> anyway, so recently, it was back in, I don't know, two months ago as a recording. My junior designer and I had set up web design to the client and delivered it to him because again, like I'm going to say this and I'm also going to tell you, don't do what I'm doing. I sent it to him before getting payment. And it's sort of like a retainer way to do it. But if you do have a retainer with the client, ask for the payment first before you start any work because um, I guess it depends as well as like how big the package is. But usually with the retainers, you get paid before you even start working with the with, on the projects. But with this client, like he's kind of like on and off and he'll like come to me for something and then he'll leave. And so with this one, we had a few other projects in the air. So I just sent it over. And then um, he said, all right, send me the invoice. And so I did. And two months later, and he still hadn't paid. Ooh. I usually do my invoices with the seven day payment schedule. Okay. And then I have automation set on Dubsado that tells them like, hey, your payment's due in three days. Hey, your payment's due today. Hey, your payment's overdue by a day. And after that, like, I don't think I've ever had a problem besides with that client where um, after I send the overdue payment email, they'll just pay it. Or they'll tell me, hey, like, I'm sorry, I'm having a hard time paying. Can I pay this other day? And I'll say, yeah, that's fine. Because they're communicating with me. It's just all about communication. Yeah, totally. You have to have some sort of like acknowledgement, first of all, that someone has received your invoice, which is great if you're using like a project management system like Dubsado or um, you're using what I use is is Bonsai. Um, It shows you when the client has seen your invoice, which is super helpful. But like, you know, we're chill people. Like I like to consider myself a pretty chill person to work with. And so I'm not going to be like all like, oh, you have to pay this by this specific day. You know, like it does have a due date. (laughs) But if someone is like, look, like I need a little bit more time. Like, can I be in on this day? And then like, we're both really chill about it. So it all, it all goes down to like, did they tell you something or did they just randomly pay like not enough, which I, I still like can't get over that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like, so okay, weird. I yeah. have divi- divided it up like that. So like, you need to pay the full invoice. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> I know. Oh and it's funny too, because it's not like, oh, I, I see that they, they're doing 50 now and 50 later. Like, no, like it's just like some random number. <laughs> I don't oh, know. Man. But anyway, 
Yeah. And, and it's like you said, it's, you know, we're chill. Like I assume that most of us are chill about things like that. And it's because we, you know, getting hired as a designer is a very, we're providing a lot of trust or people aren't going to hire us if they don't trust us because right. it's a very, um, for our industry to work, it has to be very ethical. And, you know, mm-hmm. for an ethical industry, you you really, the foundation of that is trustworthiness. So, yeah, and it goes exactly. both ways, right? Like we trust the client and the client trusts us because mm-hmm. we're, basically consultants. Right. And it's an investment in their business. But with him, I didn't hear from him. And then I, a few weeks down the line, I said, okay, I need to send him a follow-up. And I think I either called or texted him and he said, oh yeah, I have, I have this much amount reserved on PayPal. And I thought, reserved on PayPal? Like, first of all, (laughs) it's like, again, another random amount. And then second of all, reserved on PayPal, why don't you just send it to me? (laughs) (laughs) Put the money in my bank account. Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, this is so funny here. Like, I'm going to share like a little story. Um, so speaking of invoices and then, we'll, and then we'll just move on really quick. When I first sent my first invoice and it was when I was working as an intern at a graphic design, well, it was a marketing company. It was a very small company about some people. Um, and my boss was like, send me an invoice for the hours that you've worked. And I was so nervous to ask for money. Oh. Like I was so nervous to put some type of price on like what the service that I provided that I didn't yeah. put a price on it at all. And I just put my what? hours. I know. And oh then he came gosh. back and he was, he like laughed at me, like not in a bad way, but he was like, Jen, you need to put the <laughs> number on the invoice. I was like, I don't know. Like I was this young college kid. Like, oh my gosh. Oh. So funny. We all have to start somewhere. So yeah, that's so true. I don't know why I just thought of that, but. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love, I love that you said that too, because I have a junior designer and. I have to tell her to send me an invoice. And to me, like, it's weird because obviously we self-initiate these things because we need to get paid. But yeah. um, it kind of reminds me of like, oh yeah, like when I was, uh, you know, starting out as a designer, yeah, it is really hard to ask for money. <laughs> mm-hmm. I know, even if it's someone that like has already agreed to pay you, you know? Yeah, so. yeah, exactly. So anyway, that's like the backstory of this client. He finally ended up paying um, because I had, sent him a second notice letter, uh, which is via email, um, as opposed to like the traditional way of sending it over mail. And it wasn't the usual friendly, like, hey, just a friendly reminder that payment is due. It it was more like, hey, like you're overdue by two months, blah, 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 this and that. This is what's going to happen. Please let me know if you can handle the payment right now. And literally within 24 hours, he made the payment. That's awesome. Was it was it weird? Like, was it weird afterwards? Like, did you do you feel like your relationship oh. was different, or was it just normal? So, first of all, I was cringing when that email sent because I wrote it up at night, and then I don't like sending emails at night because I don't want people to think that I'm working at night, even though I am. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually really smart tip. Everyone, listen to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when I saw that I sent out the next morning, I cringed like, oh, oh my gosh. It's like the meanest email I've ever sent, even though it is not mean at all. No. And I think that's also another thing that we can talk about later about being a, a female entrepreneur oh and how gosh, like yeah. we hate being perceived at certain things or whatever. But mm-hmm. I actually haven't talked to him as a recording. This happened either earlier this week or last week. So we haven't talked about it. And on top of that, after that last project, I decided that as much as I love him, it's just not the right fit yeah. for my business. And I think vice versa. I think he would be better off with a designer that is more on like, you know, on and off projects and maybe even like a lower cost mm-hmm. um, as he's starting his business. So right. 
so I think you're just going to depart. And I'm sure I'm going to have a conversation with him about that. So, and then recommend him. So if anybody <laughs> is looking for clients. <laughs> I know, this is great. Maybe we'll do a post in the Facebook group or something. <laughs> and so uh, now, so that's the backstory. Now we want to give you guys actionable advice because that's what we're about. We're not just going to be talking about our worst experiences. <laughs> I mean, the drama is fun. Like, don't get me wrong. But like, you know, we also want to kind of send you guys <laughs> off with a couple bullet points that you can have in your back pocket. So anyways, yeah. Giselle, please tell us like what sort of limits that you set in your business that have helped you avoid this type of situation or will help you avoid it in the future. Yeah. So first of all, I'm sure as you already gathered from my backstory, don't get so lenient on your clients. As much trust as you have built still doesn't protect you when things go sour. Whether, I mean, it can get really bad. Like the client can go on bankruptcy and literally can't pay you. And then you're screwed because you didn't put that in your contract Mm -hmm. where, you know, like how do you collect payment after a situation like that? So make sure um, to go over your contract and think about like scenarios where if you didn't get paid by the client, first of all, what would be the reasons? And second, what would be the consequences? Right. Protect yourself that way. Another tip is to buy the Artist Guild Pricing and Ethical Guidelines Handbook. It's on Amazon for, I think, like around 30 bucks right now. And it's this big like textbook size book full of amazing advice. It's like filled with industry standards in a lot of um, different creative industries. And they talk about what you need to have in your contracts, like typical client relationships, typical, you know, if you're a freelancer or if you're a design studio or if you're a a marketing firm, full service agency. It talks about, you know, what the industry standard is for all of that and a lot of the things that you're probably wondering about. I definitely recommend it as well. I need to get an updated one because I had one when I was working in New York, when I was just kind of interested in the editorial design world and doing some, some freelance project on the side. It was so helpful because like it has the answers to those questions that people can't really answer for you. Like how much should I charge for a magazine layout? Or, you know, Mm -hmm. it has like those specific answers that are so amazing. Like things that we're going to try to address, but like, if you want it in writing and you want it from people who are like, I mean, I would say we're professionals in this industry, but you know, people from the artist guild, like it is just an incredible resource. Yeah. And the way that the Artist Guild gathers all of these like price ranges um, on specific projects and, you know, what experience level you have and what industry you're catering to and how big the business is that you're catering to, all of that, they're actually gathering it from nationwide survey. It's like they do like averages. That's awesome. Yeah. And and it's based off of something. So then you can come in and feel confident that you're charging an amount that you're worth based off of your experience and the, the client size and um, the project scope. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and also speaking of specifics in terms of late fees, in terms of like how long a client has to be an invoice, Giselle, do you just want to go over kind of what you use and then I'll say like what I use so that people can kind of get a feel for, you know, what a different, the different studios kind of do. Like I always like hearing the numbers from people. So I feel like that would be helpful. Yeah, definitely. So, um, what I have in my contract is I have a termination fee. So if the client um, decides to either ghost me for a certain amount of time, like there's like a, I think I have like an amount of days that if I don't get feedback from them, then I can either terminate or pause the project. And each one requires a either a fee 
to terminate or a fee to restart? That's really good. I actually don't have that in mind. So I probably are going to be taking a look at that after we finish recording. (laughs) Yeah. And I I mentioned this in um, a previous episode, but I have like the worst client experience ever. It's like a nightmare. And because of that client, um, I have that project restart fee. That's good. That's really good. Because I mean, when you start a project and like the client's excited, you're excited, you know, like you don't even think about like what happens when like some, I mean, it may not even be malicious on their end. Like maybe like they have like a family emergency or like maybe, you know, they like Giselle Mm -hmm. said, maybe they go bankrupt or maybe they're having money issues. Like, like sometimes projects that we do can take quite a while, you know, and things can change in six weeks. So, um, it's always good to be considered like just to consider every single possible thing that can happen. And like, also don't beat yourself up about it. If you have an experience with a client that you're not covered on your contract, because it's just by having those experiences that you're going to be able to build in those clauses. And so like mm-hmm. the more, like it, it does suck to like have to have an experience like that, but like, you know, the more times that you have like those negative things that happen, like the, the more intense your contract is going to be like, my contract is probably going to be twice as long like next year, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, that's me right now. I actually use the, um, the artist guild. Oh no, I use the AIGA. They have like a letter of agreement contract template. And oh, cool. I went back to that and added a ton of stuff. And now my contract is so long. That's awesome. A little pro tip. You should send, put like little initials to break up the contract. That way um, you can never, if you ever need to go back to the contract and say like, Hey, you signed this and all of these initials here show that you read each section. I mean, don't go overboard and like put like a million initial requests, but I have about three initials throughout the contract. That's awesome. That's really, really important. Yeah, I I don't think Bonsai supports the initial thing, but maybe I'll have to like find out some way to do that because I, when, when I'm just thinking about my rental agreement, I have to freaking sign like every single page of that thing, you know? Right. But yeah, um, you, you mentioned that your invoices, it takes seven days you give them seven days to pay. Mm -hmm. Have you tried other times or do you feel like that one is just like the sweet spot for you? Both. (laughs) So I've tried other times before. I've tried 14 days. When I started graphic design freelancing, I was doing 30 days. Mm -hmm. Honestly, what I noticed is that people will spend as much time as they can to not pay you. Yeah. So um, if they're hiring you in the first place, then that means that they had already set a budget to pay you. So seven days is reasonable. I like that. 14 days is still reasonable, but you know, expect to not get paid until the 14th day. <laughs> yeah. I actually changed from 30 days to 14 days recently. And I really like it. Uh-huh. I do have a retainer client that is still 30 days because they are a larger corporation and it's just harder for them to process the paperwork in that small amount of time. Right. But when you're working with individuals or very small teams, it's not hard for them to process an invoice in like two weeks. A hundred percent agree. Yeah. Having said that too, yeah, you're right. Like when the client is a bigger size and you know that they have some systems and sort of hurdles to go over to pay you, then yeah, give them a little bit more time. Like 14 days, I think is appropriate. Mm -hmm. I also wanted to share my late fee. So um, I'm just going to do a quick plug for Bonsai. I I am not an affiliate for this program, but I I truly have been loving it. It, um, It does proposals, invoicing, and contracts. Um, so it kind of handles those three things. I think, I feel like it's a, a Dubsado like light. It's kind of like a mini one. Um, and you can use it for free for a little bit. You can use it 
for, I, I think if you have like two projects or less, then you can use it for free. So it's great to start out. It's what I started out with. Um, and I, I pay for it now that I have a little bit more work, but, um, they have contracts in there that have industry standard language. Like they have a design specific contract. So it has like an outline of, you know, project termination. It talks about, um, you know, payment, which is specifically what we're talking about now. And they have just kind of like an autofill thing that you can go in and change. Like I changed theirs from like, I think, I think I changed theirs from 15 days to 14 days just because I like it to be two weeks because, you know, I want it to be rounded up. Um, but they, (laughs) they're, I just stayed with their late fee, which is 3% per month compounding. Um, I feel like that's pretty standard. You could even go up higher if it's kind of like a lot or you need something paid like really soon, but having that in your contract, having that 3% of, you know, the whole rate, or you can even do a flat fee if you're doing, you know, like if you're doing a project that's really low, like you're doing like a $200 project or something, you know, you can do like, you know, $5, $10, like a month or something like just having that extra money, people do not want to pay it. So then they will pay you on time. It's just great. So, um, yeah, I use Mm. the 3%, um, compounding monthly. Um, yeah. And I actually have a question about bonsai. It, it sounds like it'd be a great alternative to, you know, going full on with Dipsado, right? Because especially like for people starting out or people that don't really know how to handle invoicing or still doing like Venmo requests and PayPal requests, like you would recommend bonsai, huh? Yes. Yeah. I definitely recommend bonsai. I mean, like I, I personally don't feel like I've graduated to Dubsado yet. I really should like kind of take a dive into it because I use Asana for project management and bonsai for um, proposals and voicing and contracts. And I like having two separate things. By the way, I'm going to interrupt real quick and have you explain why you say Asana instead of Asana. Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> I say asana instead of asana because I'm training to be a yoga teacher right now. And my yoga, my mentor, my yoga teacher told me to never, ever, ever say asana. <laughs> so like I, I, and it's so funny because I started out saying asana and now I just can't bring myself to say it. Like I just cringe every time I say asana, like I don't, you know, so like I have to say asana because that, <laughs> that technically is the correct pronunciation if we're speaking in terms of yoga. But you know, if y'all say asana, like I'm not going to be mad. Like that's just the way I pronounce it. I have to, it's like, it, it's, I have, as a yeah. yoga teacher, I have to. So, yeah. but yeah, so like I use those two different programs. Um, but I really, really feel like bonsai is such a great place to start out, mm-hmm. um, especially if you like legitimately have no idea what to put in a contract. Their autofill stuff is really, really great. That's awesome. Once you get kind of really big or you have a team or, you know, your file for your LLC or something, maybe you would want to hire an attorney to write you something specific. But I think starting out, like I've been doing, I've been doing designing for like quite some time now. Um, I'm Pretty new to my business, less than a year. Bonsai is perfect for me. Yeah, that's awesome. Another thing that I love about Bonsai is that you can set up recurring invoices and so they auto-generate. And also when you make a contract and you put the payment plan in the contract, it auto-generates invoices for it. And then like it allows you to send the invoice directly with a link or you can send it through the program. It allows you to see when a client has seen the invoice or the proposal, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I'm pretty sure it's very similar to Dubsado in terms of that type of stuff. But yeah, exactly. Um, Dubsado lets you do all of that stuff too. Um, I actually have a blog post about it that you guys can check out online all about Dubsado because I rave about it. I absolutely love it. But again, like it, you really harness the power of it if you have, you know, maybe even at least three clients. 
I remember when I signed up for it, I signed on really early on and um, have been super happy with it. And uh, I had like two clients or something in there at the time. And I thought it looks so empty, but now it's so <laughs> full. And I'm super thankful that I spend that time back then to um, set it all up so that now I can just be a proposal sending machine. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I really do need to check it out. I'll let you know about, we'll have to do an episode about my experience, like transitioning um, into Yeah, Rosado. definitely. That'd be a good one. Yeah. That'd be um, great. Yeah. So um, going back, like talking about the contract, um, when you are still not getting your payment, you can always write in your email, like, please refer to our contract um, mm-hmm. for payment and like late fees and things like that. Like you can always word it so that you say, please refer back to our contract because then that shows that, hey, like you signed something and you need to, you know, hold yourself to it because then there, there can be some legal action and you don't have to even say there will be legal action. They'll just assume like, yeah, contract equals legal action if I don't, mm-hmm. you know. Exactly. <laughs> another thing too is, which is another thing that I didn't do with this client, as I said, is don't work on a project until after you get payment. Yes. Whether it's 100% initial deposit in regards to your agreement. So um, maybe some people have like, if a project is under the certain amount of money or if it's a retainer, like I said earlier, then you want to get 100% of it. If not, then a 50%. And then don't deliver the, like, the final files until you get your payment. And a way to get paid as well is to say, I'm so glad that you would, you like the uh, the design. Thank you for approving it. Um, I will send you the final files um, after the invoice is paid and then put an invoice link on there um, so that they know that, okay, for us to get our files, we have to pay the final invoice. Otherwise, they're just not going to get it. And on top of that, um, I'm not a fan of watermarking designs, mm-hmm. but um, you can always, if you're working on like on a PDF or something like that, just send it as a PNG. That way they can't use it as a PDF. And, and it'll look really crappy if they try to like steal that stuff from you. That's actually super interesting. Yeah. I never even thought about that because I sent all my concept presentations via PDF. Right. Like like your logo, for example, if you're doing a brand project, you don't want to send the logo in a PDF form because then they can just take it and not pay you. Right. And again, like I feel like we have an intuition as to what kind of clients are a little iffy. Mm-hmm. And what clients like you know you can trust and you can just send them the PDF. But again, like trustworthiness doesn't protect you, the contract will, and you know, making sure that again, going back to the contract. That is something that is so hard to remember. Like, especially as 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 someone who's just really like, I'm definitely a people person, you know. Like when I talk to someone and connect with them on the phone, I'm like, oh my gosh, like you're my best friend, you know, like and that that, yeah. that comes partially from like like living a military lifestyle where we move constantly Uh and like to make friends, you really have to jump into things really quickly. Uh Um, But like, I always need to remind myself that like, this is a business. This isn't just something that I'm doing for fun. And like, if I want to be professional about it, then I need to, you know, make sure that I'm like sticking to my guns in terms of my contract, in terms of my invoices. And I feel like it also makes you look more professional too when you have like, yeah. this is the way I do things for every single one of my clients. Say you have never had a client before. You don't need to say that. All you need to do is say like, like Giselle said, all you need to do is send your invoice and then say, I usually send, you know, my final files after I receive my final invoice. You know, yeah. like I feel like people respond really well to that. And, and when you have systems set up um, and that's like a whole other conversation, but It's like, it doesn't always have to be a bad thing. That's a good example that you gave about um, if it's your first client or even your second or whatever, um, saying that this is our general process is that 
you know, blah, 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 X, Y, Z. And the client isn't going to think that you're lying or anything. And no. it's not that you're lying either. It's just like, this is what your process is. And that's what you want to adhere to. So yeah, you're in every right to, to say that. Exactly. Like we need to remember, especially when you're first starting out, that even though you want clients so bad, like it is the thing that you want most in the world is for someone to pay you for your service. Like you can't sell out to them. You know, like you need to be the one that retains the control of the project. Um, You know, and that goes for not just contracts and payment and invoices, but it goes for um, how many concepts you present, what kind of feedback you ask for, you know, like, who is the one that's like running the pace of the project? You know, you need to make sure that you don't just hand all of that over and let them walk all over you. Um, It's just like any other kind of healthy relationship in your life. You know, it needs to be a two-way street, but like you need to be able to stand up for yourself and hold your own. Um, And that's going to like make the project so much more enjoyable for you, but also more relaxing and enjoyable for them. Because when I hire someone to provide a service for me or my business, like I expect them to have a certain way that they do things. So I don't have to make those decisions for them. Yeah. And on top of that, it builds like, it builds trustworthiness and it relieves me when I hear someone that I just hired say, oh, this is my process. I think, oh, good. Like they know what they're doing and my investment is going in a good place. Yes. (laughs) Exactly. Side comment about contracts. Um, So many things that we can say about contracts, like legitimately. (laughs) I know, know, like, that's probably like the last thing you guys want to hear about is contracts, but like, it is so important. (laughs) Yeah. That's how you're going to get paid on time. (laughs) I know. Getting paid is fun. Money. It's the best. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, going back on contracts, if you're doing something for a friend or a nonprofit or something like pro bono, um, even if you're doing a barter, so you're switching or trading services with somebody else still have a contract. Literally always have a contract. It's not weird. It might feel uncomfortable. Like it's just, yeah, I, I completely agree. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Have a contract um, because you never know if the client or the friend or whoever it is that you're doing this with goes after you for whatever reason. Like people can be crazy sometimes and you're, you're going to be protected. Um, you won't be held liable for certain things and um, just you know, cover your butt. <laughs> it's basically what we're saying. Exactly. Exactly. With all of that said, there might, you might find yourself in a situation where you've emailed, you've emailed, you know, you've referred to your contract, like the person is just not responding. Um, that's a really, really hard situation. I'm, I'm so thankful that I've never been in that situation, but like, I just do what I acknowledge that sometimes that can happen. And like, there, I feel like there are a couple of things you can do. You, if, if you have the opportunity or the ability to use legal help to, you know, maybe send a letter to them from your lawyer, um, but obviously that'd be a good way to go. Um, and then depending on the price of the legal fees slash the price of the project or the amount of the invoice that's outstanding, sometimes like as a last resort, you may just need to write it off, not send the final files and in the project. Um, if someone has just completely ghosted you and it's going to cost more money for you to go after them than it is for them to pay you the invoice. I know it sucks, but like, yeah, that is one situation that hopefully will only happen to you one time. And after that, like you'll have so many things in place, um, in terms of like also taking on clients that you can probably see red flags ahead of time, things like that. Not like trying to blame you for anything, but like just wanted to touch on that, that sometimes that does happen. And like, just to be cognizant of um, the fact that like, sometimes it all 
just kind of has to come out in the wash and then you just have to move on. Yeah. Um, hopefully no one has had that experience, but like that is something that happens sometimes. Worst comes to worst. The Artist Guild, which again is the same uh, organization that does the handbook that we spoke of earlier. They have a membership where you can sign up for the membership and they will go after these unpaid invoices on your behalf. And that's one way to go about it. Oh, that's amazing. Oh my God, that's literally just what I was just talking about. So if you don't have a lawyer, use Artist Guild. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And then, yeah, the other option would be the lawyer, which again, wouldn't be worth it unless you're like losing thousands of dollars, I would say, Mm -hmm. um, if you weren't going the lawyer way. And then the third option would be to handle it yourself via what I did, which is, again, like based off of the Artist Guild handbook, talking about here, send your first notice. They gave you a template. Like, this is what you say. Send your second notice, which is the one I sent. And here's what you say. And then send your final notice. And in that final notice is where you would say, you know, I would hate for you to have like a credit collection agency, which would be the third option or fourth option. I already forgot. (laughs) Fourth. (laughs) So then they would know that, you know, if they don't pay you and you're not going the attorney legal action route, then you would go to a collection agency and they would put it on their credit. Um, and they would obviously like dock a bunch of points from their credit because they're, they're going to have a collection under them. And um, you would get a certain amount. You wouldn't get the full amount because the collection agency would get the rest of it, but you would at least get paid somewhat. Um, so that would be a good option if you were to get ghosted. Yes. And you, it was like an astounding amount that you know you like you can't. Like you would any sleep some of it. So to wrap this episode up, um, what I'm going to do next time is, let's say I were to continue with this client. Um, the next time he asked for a project, I would say, I would love to, but after um, getting paid up front. So I would say, I would love to work on XYZ. Here is an invoice for that. And once the invoice is paid, I'm going to get started. Perfect. And then also, you know, communicating the late fee. Um, maybe putting that in the invoice if you know that client is notorious for paying late. Be like, hey, you know, I've been lenient, but our contract states this late fee and I'm going to start applying it from now on. Again, like not working on projects until until invoice is paid. That all sounds so good. And like we said, you really have to look at it as a learning experience. So many negative things that happen to us in, in you know, our entrepreneurial journeys and running a business. It's, it's all about you know, having something negative happen and then like not letting that ever happen again. So yeah, I would say that one of the major takeaways is that people are usually more than happy to do things the way you want them done, Mm -hmm. but you need to be very specific and very upfront about it. Yeah. Clients won't know that you have a certain way of doing things unless you tell them and unless you, I mean, tell them and then remind them a couple of times, you know, you have to you have to be graceful about it. Obviously, you have to have tact. But what I found in you know my time in, in owning a business is that most of the time people don't really know what you want and, and until you tell them, and then they're so happy to accommodate. Um, and it's usually very mm-hmm. positive. But like, you have to speak up, and you have to speak up for yourself and be confident about it. Um, you don't have to be mean unless it's gotten to that point. But you know, just be confident and graceful about it. Communication is one of the top three things that you need to do to build this trustworthy relationship. And um, you know, the second one is honesty. Mm-hmm. Well, it's what you said, Jen. Perfectly said. Um, another thing too is which we kind of touched on, but I just want to make sure that you guys are getting this takeaway is to have a paper trail. And in 2019, that means having an email paper trail. So 
making sure that you are sending those reminder emails and also stating like, this is how much you owe. This is the last time that project was sent out so that they, you know, if you ever need to go back and show this proof that the client hasn't paid, like, you know, like it was for this project delivered on this date, the invoice was due on this date. It's this amount. This is how many days it's overdue. And all of that stuff is going to help you if you do end up having to take any legal action or any sort of things like that, which hopefully you won't. Exactly. Hopefully you won't, but we just yeah. want to make sure you guys are prepared um, for when it does happen um, because it will happen. It doesn't matter how long you've been in business. You know, like I've only just started, but, um, and this thankfully hasn't happened to me yet, but like, I know that I'm prepared for when it does because I know that it will at some point. Yeah, exactly. And Jen, you have friends here to yeah, help you and support you. Exactly. And everybody else here as well. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Perfect. Um, so we are going to move to our inbox portion. Um, there, the very end of our of every episode, we answer an inbox question um, from one of you guys. Um, so just a reminder, if you have a question that you want us to answer on the air, you can ask us at inbox at betterbranddesigner.com. So this week's question is, um, at what stage of our sales process do we share our pricing? And I feel like we could go so in-depth in this, but we're going to try to keep it short. Um, Giselle, do you want to start us off with your answer? Yeah. Jen and I have a different way to go about this. So it'll be really awesome to share both of our methods. For me, I don't have pricing on my website. So when I get an inquiry on my email, depending on what I see so far, how much they've shared, I'll decide if it's worth getting on a, a discovery call or like a diagnostic call, I like to call it, and hearing what they need and then giving them a price range after I hear what they need, giving them a price range, um, a really wide one too, just to see or hear if that's something that's in their budget or if they were expecting something way lower than that. Um, And then I can filter out those people. And then the ones that say like, oh, the price range sounds great, then I will send them a proposal. So Jen, how do you do it? That's awesome. Yeah, I I offer very specific brand packages and retainer um, packages on my website. And since the very beginning, I've shared my pricing on my website. I'm pretty diehard about it. I I have found that like it just saves me so much time in terms of filtering out people who are not ready to make an investment in me. Um, and it allows me to be very confident when I do get on the phone with someone because I know that they've already seen my pricing and they're still interested in having a conversation with me. So I, I, I mean, I'm not going to say like my way is better or, you know, whatever. I do think it's very situational and it depends on where you are at in your business. It depends on what type of offerings you do. If you work with clients who have a range of different services that they need, maybe putting your pricing on your website isn't going to be as good of an idea. Um, but like for me in my situation, I will champion that to the bitter end until I start, you know, taking on <laughs> projects that like have a more variable um, service that I provide. Yeah, that's a good route to go, especially when you're starting out. And that's how I started out for the first few years of my business. And um, I definitely recommend it for that. And if you do decide to go the way that I do it, then do have a price sheet that only you see. Um, and what I've learned from this is that you know, you have like the prices that that you charge for specific packages and, and designs and things like that and your hourly rate as well. And I tend to stay away from doing hourly work and I'd rather do value-based pricing. Yes. Oh my gosh. That is a whole other conversation. Like, oh yeah, hourly work, not my fave. <laughs> but yeah, so then you can refer to this pricing sheet and when you're on the phone, you can have like a general idea of like, okay, like this and this and this and then give them the range from that. 
And on top of that, um, it allows you to negotiate with the client. If you are working with bigger clients or a, a, just a wide range of clients, then you know, like depending on their client size and their budget that you can um, leverage the negotiation on that because the bigger clients are going to want to pay more because they want less risk. And that also involves you knowing that like you can provide that for them. You know, it's a whole game of all of that. So we can talk about that later for sure. But yeah, that's that, those are the stages. And we would love to hear from you guys. So again, if you have anything to share, please share it on the Facebook group. We want to hear your stories about your nightmare clients, about those invoices that haven't gotten paid. If you're experiencing that right now, if that's something that's happened to you in the past, there is a designer out there, I promise you, who is going through something similar or has something similar on the horizon for them. So if you can help them avoid that situation or help coach someone through something that they're currently experiencing, that is the reason why we have this Facebook group. So get on there, make a post. It's not weird, like unload on us, you know, like it is just such a great um, space for you to share those types of things and we can weigh in and then you guys can weigh in as well. Yeah, that wraps up the episode for today and tune in next time. We hope you enjoyed today's conversation. Subscribe wherever you're listening to make sure you don't miss an episode. And we'd be forever grateful if you left us a review on Apple Podcasts. We bet you've got designer friends who'd enjoy it too, so share it with them. If you'd like to submit an inbox question for us to answer on air, or you want to get in contact with us directly, email us at inbox at betterbranddesigner.com. Our Facebook community is one of the most positive, supportive, and fun groups we've ever been a part of. We'd love for you to join us. Search for Better the Brand Designer Podcast on Facebook. If you love these conversations between designer friends and would like to support us, you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash betterpodcast. And visit us online at betterbranddesigner.com to learn more about our podcast and snag major discounts on our favorite resources. Special thanks to our producer, John, from Wayfair Recording Co. See you guys again next week.